Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. My name is Seb Philpott. And my name is Verity Simmons. And this is Three in a Bar. And um, thanks for tuning in again. Um, Now, this week is a little bit different, isn't it, Verity? It is. We've gone off-piste. That's P-I-S-T-E, as opposed to what you might think when we tell you where we've gone this week. Mm, Yeah. (laughs) Our guest is the amazing Eliza Parks, who is co-owner of Yardarm, which is a fantastic wine shop in Leighton. And she is like, what she doesn't know about wine is just not worth knowing. She's amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I like to think of this episode uh, very much um, kind of focusing on the in a bar aspect of the title <laughs> yes uh, it's it's kind of linked to what we normally do uh there is a musical aspect though but um we basically uh eliza came around to verity's uh front room and i went there too first yeah. time i've ever been to verity's house it's very nice oh, what did you think did you and like it i really liked it yeah, yeah thanks <laughs> yeah lovely lovely victorian house <laughs> ideal so we haven't just shoehorned this in in a really random way. We actually have a proper premise, and that is yeah, yeah, we yeah. picked two pieces of music each, which we sent to Eliza, and she um, listened to them and has matched four amazing wines to our choices. And then she mm. has discussed with us why she chose them, and we talk a little bit about why we chose them too. So it's it's actually it's really amazing, and it worked even better than I thought it would. I just thought her choices were great. Did you? Yeah, actually, there were quite a lot of similarities between the wine and music. And yeah. we sort of talk about that. And yeah. it was quite interesting. Um, so this one is a bit different, really. It's kind of, um, it's sort of interactive. Yes, really. uh, it is. You can join in at home, certainly with the musical aspects. So there's four tunes. And if you look in the description of this show in the show notes there is a spotify playlist so you can see what the songs are Mm -hmm. um now 
I did try and see if we could just stick the songs in the podcast, but <laughs> I, I we looked were it thwarted. Up and <laughs> there are there are some strong uh, copyright laws, which yes. you know that that is good for the music industry, isn't it? We've got to support those, yeah. but um, not not great for for this uh, particular format of show. No, uh, with, without paying for them, which I'm, I'm sure are pretty expensive. Uh, so <laughs> what what I don't know. What would you do? Get get a second device, uh, a tape player. <laughs> Uh, yeah and um <laughs> put it on your boombox find the <laughs> yeah exactly you know just imagine you're listening to the music at the same time what what we actually did in on the day we listened to the music together uh with headphones and then we were talking over it so yeah. if you have a second device then maybe stick that on while while the uh while we're describing each each wine and each song exactly um, so should we just should we say what the songs are Yes, um, absolutely. And, and actually, yeah. I've got to say quickly, there was a mystery fifth one at the end, uh, which Eliza oh, yeah. brought to us. And the reason I'm even bringing that up is because the wine she brought for that was something quite extraordinary, wasn't it? <laughs> she went yeah, into her own personal incredible. cellar. Yeah, it is. It yeah. was so good. I can still basically taste it now. It was a yeah. proper, proper yeah, beauty. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know. I'm going to remember that wine forever, that <laughs> brilliant wine. Stay tuned to the end to see what that one is. Yes. Um, so the four okay. tunes that, that we chose are in order. Number one, Weird Fishes Arpeggi by Radiohead. Number two, um, I Went to the Store One Day by Father John Misty. Then number three, A Lucifan Lestella from Tosca. Beautifully sung said. By, <laughs> sung by Pavarotti, written by Puccini. And number four is a Souvenir de Florence by Tchaikovsky, First Movement. The fifth one was a bonus one, and that is Tip That Waitress by Loudon Wainwright the Third. Well, the third, is it? Oh, yeah, the third. Very good. <laughs> I thought this was so fun. This ex episode, I know it is, it's a bit different to usual, but it was so fun. And she speaks so eloquently and so interestingly about wine. Um, I mean, it's the whole reason I got into it in the first place. Uh, I just think when you say, oh, we're, you know, we're matching wine to music, it might just sound like it's an opportunity for us to drink during the podcast. But no, there's so many more layers to it than that. It's really, she's very, very interesting. I promise. So grab yourself a glass of wine, get the Spotify playlist ready and listen to our wine tasting special with Eliza Parks. Oh yeah, I put your pop mic on. Is that a pain in the ass for you? No, that's that okay? fine. Taking you back to the old Taking days. Taking me back yeah. to the radio days. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Did you do adverts and things like that? No, I used to do radio drama. Oh, um, did you? Yes, I did stuff for... Radio 3, Radio 4, um, I did audiobooks and that kind of thing. Oh, did you? And I did, really weirdly, I did, most of my money came from, um, like, English language learning tapes. Yes. So lots of, like, can you tell me the way to the post office, please? <laughs> that kind of thing. That's um, brilliant. Lots of weird British regional accents for yeah. foreign people to try and understand. <laughs> That's great. Oh, so you've got all the accents then. Yeah. What's your, what's your personal favourite? I used to have a box of, uh, yeah, a box of accent tricks. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> did you? Yeah. Native Cornish would come out every now oh, and again. Oh, I bet it's blooming. <laughs> Does that not just come out occasionally? That comes out anyway. <laughs> all my scripts were marked with like all of the A, you know, my flat A's. Yeah. Like, I sound RP until I just fall off with my real. Yes. Like, <laughs> and every now and again, I just go really proper Cornish. Oh, I love that. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Hey, Eliza, thank you so much for doing this. You're so welcome. It's really exciting. I'm excited as well. I spent ages trying to work out this ruse. (laughs) And I I remember saying to Seb really early on, oh, we could do could do something with wine couldn't we sure <laughs> you're like okay we crowbar it in somehow <laughs> yeah we'll come on find an angle find an angle and we found an angle found yeah. an angle oh yes i hope it works it oh. was yeah it was really interesting um, what did you think of the choices when they turned up well it was re- i was expecting classical mm-hmm. and i was thinking that would be easier because yeah. i could just because i i know less about it i have less like it's less likely that I would know the track personally, yes. right? Yeah. So I thought that would be easier because I could just listen to it and kind of f- feel it a bit and kind of think about the wines on the shelf and then think about how I feel about those and yeah. maybe think about reflecting that kind of like layering that you get, you know, in music and, and also that you get in wine, right? So I was kind of yeah. thinking, okay, I'll just, I'll, I'll maybe think about it in a f- sort of physical way. Yeah. And then actually, it was weird because the modern tracks, particularly the one that you chose, I yeah. found that I was like, oh, you got it. Yeah. I, I had a wine in my head. Now it's wow. probably <laughs> the one that you're going to be like, really? <laughs> <laughs> but isn't that weird? That yes. it kind of felt, and and then yeah. and then actually with the classical ones, they kind of grew, they kind of grew into something, and I. I went with vibes rather than yeah. anything else. Perfect. Exactly. So that's what I've got. I've got vibey wines. Nice. <laughs> I like the sound <laughs> And you've got a mystery fifth one, haven't you? For I've got end. a mystery fifth one, which actually I've kind of cheated on because it's, I suppose, it's a bit more about, I was quite scared about the last yeah. one because, and I, I, I texted you, didn't I? And I was like, I don't know. I've got two. One that was a kind of ode to you because <laughs> one of your favourite wines. I yes, like, I I knew that there was a musical sort of um, sort of attachment to that from the winemaker's point of view. Right, but because you asked me for a personal one, I was like, okay, I'm going to go. Oh, I'll, I'll go personal. So I. Oh well done, you've braved it. <laughs> I've braved it, and I will. Um, yeah, hopefully it's a big treat that one. It's my gift. Oh, Ooh. oh, you lovely person. So, How exciting! <laughs> it's also for wine club later. We can retaste re- re- it one. Okay. Oh. Great. Hey, so please don't tell them that I know anything <laughs> about it and then I'm going to come out with some choice words. <laughs> don't tell them. They clearly don't listen to this, so it's fine. <laughs> like stealth. Yeah, exactly. You guys got, got wine club tonight. Yeah. After this. Yeah. Double, double wine tasting. Yeah. Double wines. Yeah. Exactly. Hence, da, da, da. The spittoon. Lovely sound effect. Did you like the it? Did, I know, did you like it? That was so archers, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The spittoon. In the archers, they'd use that to, to birth a lamb. Really. <laughs> yeah, they would. <laughs> and who knows where this Maybe is that gonna, might happen. Who knows where it's going to go? <laughs> no, Seb, do you want to start with one of yours? Oh, okay. Uh, let me get my get my music ready. Okay. Um, Oh, right. should I, I, should we, listening to music on yeah, music, yeah, shall we? Should, we? should I talk about the song? Yeah. That would oh, yeah, cool. would you? Okay, I, I Which did, one are you going to do? I just thought that, so I'll just try and... Uh, well, should we do... 
this is going to be really interesting for me because I was and I asked you the same I was like do I do you want me to research the songs so that I actually know what I'm doing or shall I just listen to them and in the end I decided I'd listen first response and then maybe have a little investigate afterwards and I quite wanted to hear what you guys were saying about the actual music because obviously you know about that blimey uh well I've just googled it just so I don't make any mistakes. Uh, well, the first song we're going to do is so it's by Radiohead, and <gasps> great. It is called Weird Fishes Slash Arpeggi, right, and it I'm is the fourth person. song from In Rainbows, which is Radiohead's seventh studio album. I, I really like it. It's a great mm. song. It's kind of well, I always think of it in two parts, but maybe that's because of the name of it, because it's got the slash in the middle. But the arpeggi kind of comes in from the beginning, uh, musically speaking. We could, we could like pre-analyze it a bit. I suppose the the arpeggio is a very important part of the song. Yeah. Um, uh, should we do this while we while we listen to it? Or... We do a bit of both, can't we? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Will, we'll listen out for that. Um, there's there's arpeggios, and uh, the, the the lyrical content is quite interesting. So if you're listening at home, have a listen to that. Try and try and think of the musical aspects and the lyrical aspects, and then. Uh, We'll talk about some wine that, that's going to go with it, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> so should we? Should we start? Yeah, let's this thing? do this. Wow. Great. This is exciting. So let's put our headphones on. Great. Oh, okay. Here we go. This is uh, Weird Fishes Arpeggi. I feel like I'm in some really weird silent disco. Yeah, me too. <laughs> wow. Yeah, this would be a really nice like night you could put on, couldn't it? Just yeah, like there a sil- silent disco, but silent wine tasting or. <laughs> Maybe it's a thing. I think it is a thing. There we go, Eliza. We've got a business plan. Seriously. We can go back to Edwina Curry and her. You should retrain and tell them. We've got an idea. (laughs) Silent discos with wine. I'm going to open this wine. Yeah, go for it. Yeah, go for it. Um, Seb, when did you first hear this song? How did you come across it? Mm, Well, this song came out um, in 2007. It was quite a important album and in rainbows because it was the Mm. first record that radiohead they weren't signed to a label anymore so they could basically do what they want and they they put the record out um with a like pay what you want payment model yeah which was quite revolutionary at the time so um i think i paid uh, nothing for it because i had no money um and i just moved to vienna to do an erasmus course oh wow really cool but um, I remember the morning that it came out. I was um, was living in uh, basically a travel tavern in Vienna. Yeah, didn't really have anywhere to stay properly. So, so that yeah. that sort of puts me back into that that memory. So send you time. straight back there. Yeah, I just walk around Vienna on my own, looking for flats, listening to this album. Oh, <laughs> it's quite sad. It's quite tragic. <laughs> I feel but, like I'm really there with you listening but, to this now. But the album has uh, the more the more and more I've, I've listened to it and, and the years and, and seeing them live, it's. It's really grown on me so much. I love this album mm. so much. So, uh, and this tune is is great. Oh, cheers, so, everybody! Cheers, cheers. So, mm. I also really like this track. Yeah. Um. Also, listen to a lot of Radiohead. Um, but not one that I know that takes me back as it took you back. Yeah. So actually, that was quite useful because as soon as it came on, kind of. Just the way, almost the way that we did in the room, we kind of went, ah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. There's something so lovely about the feeling of this track, I think. It's yeah. got such a, like, it does something kind of physical to me. I kind of love yeah. that, like, had to be bubbles for me. There's right. yeah. like, gentle yeah. bubbles, because it's got that kind of, you know, yeah. the, 
It feels like a very light... It's like a rolling kind of a thing. And I wanted to choose bubbles, but I didn't want anything that was too formal or too, um, like, straight, you know? Because... Because when I think of Radiohead and when and when you play this track, it feels like it's more left field than that. It's more interesting than, yeah. yeah the, it's not than, predictable. It's not it? predictable. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And so this wine is similarly made by Maverick. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's what you what you call a pet nut. So actually, during first fermentation, when you're making, you could either go for your the if fermentation finishes, you end up with a still dry wine. If you your byproduct of fermentation is CO two, and if you trap it you end up with fizz. If you do that through the first fermentation, you end up with what's called a pet nut. So it gives you fizz, but really gentle. Mm. So there's something really lovely and bubbly, but kind of not too sort of frothy. You know, it doesn't go as far as like a Prosecco or like a Champagne or those kind of things. It's much more gentle. Yeah. And the aromatics I just love in this Mm. because it's so, it's quite mad and quite peachy and kind of like... Quite a lot of our beer drinkers really like this wine. It kind of has a bit of a like pale ale kind of yeah. vibe to yes, it, it in does. terms of it's like really interesting smell. Aromatics. Yeah. It's much more like tropical, kind of peachy, mm. sort of soft and rounded. Yeah, to me. it really is. It's not, and like you're saying, it's a fizz, but it's not when you would hold a fizz to your nose. It's not the sort of nutty, creamy sort of things that you might get off a, a champagne or a prosecco or a calf or something. It's just it's amazing. It's got it's super different. It's yeah. really aromatic. There's no sense of that, like, bready brioche thing that you'd get on a champagne mm. or the kind of a real, like, bright sort of pear, apple fruit that you get on a Prosecco. It's yeah. much more soft and rounded and, um, yeah, tropical. And mm. It's delicious. I just, this was the one where I was like, it's that. Yeah. It's that wine to me. Because, and it was, again, just a, it was a feeling and a, um, a vibe of the winemaker as well. He's a really lovely lefty kind of winemaker he does his own gym jam he just knows what he's doing yeah. and this is um the grape is Malvasia, which is um quite an unusual grape to use for a fizz there aren't that many um he's up in northern italy he makes a mad lambrusco as well so sparkling red he's got quite yeah. you know he's got his own little vibe <laughs> going on up there he uses natural yeast it's all really low intervention he's just doing his own thing and actually when you were saying about yeah. really heading you know, like pay what you can that kind of thing yeah. He'd be totally into that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's yeah. that kind of dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's such an individual band. They've always, they've never stood still. They've always gone and changed their complete, their sound completely. And you never really know what they're, what they're going to do. They're so creative. And, yeah. Yeah. Changed music, really. In, yeah. In, indie music. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's great because that really complements that. It's, it's uh, perfect. This is very sort of modern kind of jazzy yeah and kind of the rule breakers as well you know because you get the same thing in music as you do in wine and actually what was weird was when I was thinking about this I was like actually I describe quite a lot like my training being like the equivalent classical music training and then you go into like whatever your actual vibe is you know rap or like whatever and wine is really the same because your training is so formal and so like, you know, traditional and historic as well. So you'd be mm. looking at similar kind of, you know, mm. they're like real historic Italians, historic French, you know, and there's a lot of rules and a lot of, you know, the equivalent of the notes on the page and the definites that oh, you get. So sorry, excuse me, I said you might get a bit of electrician background noise. <laughs> bit of builders. Yeah, a bit of builders today. <laughs> oh <That's okay>. apologies. <laughs> Just add to the. I'm hoping very much that this is brief. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so 
Oh, tell us then where... So this is in northern Italy, and what's um, the name of the main Northern family? Italy, um, so uh, a guy called Donati Camillo. Yeah. Um, Donati. Uh, and it's Malvasia. Um, yeah, Frizzante, um, but more, yeah, pet nat rather than a, you know, anything else. He's got... Um, actually, the top of the bottle is really nice as well because it's just a, like a crown cap. Yeah. So oh, if you were making a champagne, you'd put like a beer crown cap, right? Mm. So if you're making a champagne, um, after you'd made your still wine and you put it in your champagne bottle and then you'd put your extra bit of yeast in to get your second fermentation going, you'd actually be storing it with a crown cap on it. And so it's a nice ah. little thing because it's just like that is functionally what you'd be, yeah, that's what yeah. you'd be using for yeah. your, if you were going further with your, with your fizz. Um, and I just like that he's just, you know, that's a really nice. He's just nod kept to it. it on there, yeah, because he's like, well, it is, yeah. We trapped it during first fermentation, so you yeah. leave the crown cap on. Which <laughs> yeah, I like. I like it. Yeah, um, it's a really kind of jazzy looking bottle as well. It's, um, you know, it's just it's got a bit I of a like mad, it. bit of a mad label, yeah. bit of yeah. a mad wine, but not, um, not too funky. Not, you know, I think most people who I've given this to quite like it because it's, it's got softness to it, it's got cleanness to it, yeah, and actually, kind of with the music as well, you know, it's. Uh, it doesn't. It's not too challenging, but it's just got a lovely edge to it. I think that track. Mm. I just, yeah, I, I really like it. So I love yeah. that choice. Yeah, yeah, great, definitely. And actually, for a pet nat as well, because usually what springs to mind, I, I imagine something quite cloudy. Yeah, and it doesn't. It's pretty clear, isn't it? Yes, yeah. one. It, it's not what you'd necessarily imagine. No. Um, so really gentle wine making. Um, yeah, organic, biodynamic, natural yeasts. Not much intervention at all. Um, low levels of sulfur. I think there's a tiny bit in there, but not much. Mm. Lowish alcohol, like twelve point five, so mm. not crazy. It's just a, it's a gentle, rolling wine. Yeah, which it's great. Delicious. Yeah, it's um, one of my favorites. Would you, would would there be certain foods that you would have with this? Possibly some fishes. Yeah, possibly some weird <laughs> weird ones. Weird ones. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Um, I think if you had something that was really um, that you'd thrown loads of herbs at, it would be really nice because it would pick up. Yeah. Um, like because it's so aromatic and because it's quite generous, you could go quite mad with flavors. So if you had got like baked fish or something like that, but you'd got loads of herbs at it, it yeah. might be that would be quite nice. Um, and cheeses be nice as well mm. you know mm. bit of a cheese board yeah. And go. Yeah, this would be lovely because it's yeah. got that generosity and it will kind of pull out those sort of Absolutely. slightly herby flavors in cheese as well yeah a nice goat's cheese maybe yeah exactly yum yeah <laughs> that's great would this kind of thing work as a sort of um what do you call it a pair no aperitif like instead of a champagne or prosecco yeah definitely. yeah yeah I mean, it's got way more whack to it. It's got way more punch. Yeah. It's more interesting, I yeah, think. Definitely. But yeah. yeah, for sure. Like it's one of those in the summer, it's it's a really nice one. But also yes. in the winter when you want some, you want a fizz, but maybe you are having food with it. It's, you know, it's a bit because it's got more, just more flavour to it. More yeah. Warmth. It's nice. You know, you can match it to a bit more. You can have it on more occasions really yeah. rather than just a... And with that lighter fizz as well, because it's not so in your face with the bubbles then it's easier kind of easier to drink maybe i don't know i drink i find it champagne easy to drink all one. day as well i like it <laughs> <laughs> eliza you were talking a little bit just there about when you were studying what was it that led you to wine was it always something in your mind well <laughs> it was a long road <laughs> um i always so this kind it kind of goes with my with my choice oh. um, for the wine so i'll talk about bit about that when yeah, we yeah. the wine but um always worked in restaurants always always whatever else I was doing um 
and that's kind of how I started drinking more of it drinking more good stuff um and then yeah I started studying it the more I had sort of responsibilities in restaurants front of house you know manager bar manager whatever it was and then I was like oh I probably should like learn a bit I'm quite a learner if I'm going to do something I want to know what there is to know about it and I started and I was like oh this is great like I loved it meant I could drink wine buy a pencil case draw a map you end up learning like (laughs) everything it's not just about wine it's definitely not about booze and it's weird now because I I, sometimes I question being in the alcohol industry but it doesn't feel like that to me because you learn so much more around the subject yeah. that it, it it almost sometimes I wish it was something else you know yeah but, but the actual stories behind the wine and how they're made and why they're made and why we import it and, and you know why certain countries do certain things and how grapes ended up places all of that um got me yeah. and and I and I loved it and I quite liked the the rigor of the formal sort of education of it I quite like that the discipline yeah. of blind tasting the slightly academic side of it you know learning about history and geography and gardening and all of those things yeah um and so once I was in I was in (laughs) (laughs) that's great and and you're saying like so it's quite a classical kind of education like you you have to learn so much history and and like kind of just all the different cultures and everything and and then after that you can kind of play around with it once you know yeah everything I think again from the little I know really about music but the I remember doing like the grades in music in school, right? Yeah. I, I yeah. played the flute for a while, and um, mm. and I remember that feeling very formal, yeah, you know, and 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 reading music being very a very like particular discipline, quite different to everything else mm. that I'd done. And it's kind of the same with wine because you've got a certain set of descriptors, language. You've got a kind of scientific analysis that you're doing on every single. Uh, tasting you know if you're if you're tasting wine blind so you know you don't know what you've got they just pour you into glasses and you have to try and get to the answer yeah there's you know people are sort of talk about poetry with wine you know there is poetry in it but there's a lot more science in it really and particularly when you're first learning the basics a lot of it is you know science in terms of winemaking a lot of chemistry you know that kind of thing the gardening is quite precise pruning methods all this kind of thing wow. it's, it's really technical yeah um, and then the same with breaking down taste and the same with learning about the rules and regulations that go with wine in particular, with yeah. like EU wine, old world wine. So all the French appellations, all of this kind of stuff. There's a lot to kind of memorise and a lot of definites. Mm. And then what's lovely is when when you're able, when, you, when you've got that down, then you can start playing around and you can be like, OK, cool, well, I see that rule. But actually, I know a winemaker who breaks that rule. And I know why they're breaking that rule. And I know why that's cool. Yeah. And then yes. that becomes a real joy. And I guess in the same way that you could choose to like, I don't know, clash a chord, if that's a thing. Yeah. You know, those yeah, kind no, of exactly. things, if, if you're playing yeah. around, you can, it makes it more interesting. That's where the fun happens. And that's where the kind of, uh, your personal sort of stamp can be put on it, I yeah. guess. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Have a confidence in knowing those rules so that you can break them yeah, again. Yeah, totally. Exactly that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, hey, should we, uh, should we go on to the second yeah. choice? So, um, Do you want to use the, so, you can use the spittoon? Yeah, I haven't used that yet. I've just been doing little tiny sips. I know, I'm impressed. I'm afraid <laughs> I just loved it. I know, I'd love to, but I did drive I it, know, so. I know you're a wise soul, you are. <laughs> Shall we do my, uh, I'll do my first one as well, shall we? Should we the, which is the Father John Misty track, which uh, is yeah. 
I went to the store one day. Oh, mate. Uh, I love this song. Should I just tell you a little bit about why I chose this track? Oh, please. Yeah. Okay. well, I'm a massive Father John Misty fan anyway, and I just absolutely love this track because it's like a really beautiful, simple love song, but it has gorgeous use of strings, and I love the the way it starts with the, the guitar. It's just very simple. The words are very sweet. It's about him seeing his wife for the first time and it's just very beautiful um i think it's really sweet and we played it with him last year at um the green man festival and i just thought it was like a really special moment and i think back to that time just feel really happy (laughs) i think it was such a a lovely thing to be a part of and i just remember him playing and he plays so beautifully and he's got such a delicate voice there considering he's like such an extravagant showman when he does these very intimate tracks they are they're just he really draws you in and i just think this is totally beautiful so i hope you do too (laughs) should take a listen right here we go And I thought it was really interesting. I had no idea what you were going to pick, that both of them have got this arpeggio thing at the beginning. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Very similar. Yeah. So let me hand over your wine. We've gone red this time. We've gone red. Lovely. I've recognised this bottle. Yeah. (laughs) So I think a lot of people would recognise this Mm. bottle. And I had to listen to this song so many times. When I first listened to it, I was like, oh, just... I don't know I'm not sure and nothing came, like with the Radiohead one I was like bam yeah, yeah. definitely because it gave me a real like Phew. yeah whereas this one because it's so lyrical as well and so kind of um kind of op- open you know and kind of vulnerable um I thought I, it just took me a while it took me a few listens and then I, I couldn't quite work out if he was talking about like unrequited love because he's like, what's your name? Uh, but I didn't feel like that. It felt really kind of nostalgic to me and kind of um, sort of co- like like a, a song that needed comfort, mm. you know? And so this was about the coziest, comforting wine that we have. Yes. And <laughs> this is the wine that all, <laughs> I just everyone takes home (laughs) and there's just something really lovely about that I think and it's kind of quite often overlooked as just being like you know the weekday wine of choice the Thursday wine right (laughs) and to me then when the more I listened to to this track I was kind of like it's that thing about marriage isn't it and and about the kind of the comfiness of it but also the the real like I don't know the need of it and and the and the romance as well and there's something it's not too grand is it this track no but actually it's it's really deep it's really you yeah. know it's really heartfelt and there's something about this wine that I just I love that every couple takes it home on a Thursday and Aww. it's like it's underrated and it's you know it's a it's a 12 quid bottle it's not gonna it's not the most romantic of gestures but it's just so nice that that's the one that yeah. people choose and weird that actually that's quite universal that it, yeah. it's the one it's yeah. the cozy wine the comfy wine the one that they want in front of the TV on a Thursday. <laughs> yeah, it's so true. Yeah. And that's not to do it down at all. That's a, that, right. I think that's a really beautiful thing. I love it because of that. I, and and it's it's also really well made. You know, it's a it's a cracker of a, of a red wine. There's a reason why everyone takes it home on a Thursday. Yeah. Because by Thursday you really want a really, <laughs> really lovely nice. wine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. And also yeah. during these times we've sold loads of it as well. And I think yeah. that it's that. It's that real, like, kind of almost nourishing, like, yeah. it's, it's what you think of when you think of red wine. 
Yes. That's what this red wine is to yeah. me. You know, it's yeah. like there's a bit of tannin, there's a bit of structure, there's, um, you know, it's not too sweet, it's dry, but it's there's ripeness to it, there's depth of flavour, there's a bit of red fruit, a bit of black fruit. You know, there's kind of everything that you really want in a red wine, I think, without it being too too much, too challenging, yeah, yeah. too light, too heavy. Mm. You know, it sits in the middle yeah. in a in a happy sort of fashion. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think it's, I mean, those sort of emotions that we, you kind of, you, we've, you want to feel from wine or, or, or memories or yeah. that, that sense of what belonging or just being with other people. Yeah. I think that's what we're sort of all striving for at the moment. So I, I, I understand why it would be a big seller at the moment. Yeah. That's that. You just want to, it's like a quick route to that sensation, isn't it? Yeah. It's like, yeah. Let's have this lovely wine. We'll, We'll feel good. Yeah, it's just comforting. It's not too challenging. Mm. It's you're not going to have to work hard to match it with something. You can exactly that. It's just like, ah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. then also, I was thinking because at the end, when he's like, "What's your name?" You know, he's looking back, isn't he, on their sort of relationship. And I was thinking, actually, this would be if you, if you think about that thing of flavors bringing back memories. Actually, if you'd spent if you'd spent five years living in Leighton with someone, <laughs> yeah. or you know, wherever, you know, yeah. And that was your Thursday wine. It would be such a strong connection yeah. to somebody, such a strong memory. Yeah. And actually, it's not about those special occasion tastes, is it? It's like it's the ones that you taste all the time, or like yeah. the smell of perfume, mm. or after or whatever it yeah. is. Those things that are really, really like hotly reminiscent for people. Yeah. And I think this wine would do that because yeah. because of the frequency of people drinking it, and because it, it's just like, oh yeah, grab the one, you know, grab the wine. <laughs> and you don't even need to say which one it is. It's just yeah. it's that. So it's comfort and it's comfy and it's easy, but it's really quite, um, you know, it would take you back. Yeah. yeah. Musically with the content. I mean, some lovely strings in that, mm. isn't there? Yeah, um, it's so beautiful. Was it was it that sort of similar string arrangement when you played it? Yeah. Yeah. It's just it's very delicate, really beautiful, very much like chamber music. So it's the sort of thing, often if you'll do a, a big gig with a, artist pop artist in particular that you'll be doing just lots of quite predictable held chords <laughs> nothing very inspiring but i just feel like the orchestrations are always so interesting on his tracks that you there's so much and it's a joy to play and really lovely to listen to and you kind of pick up different things each time you listen to it and i feel like that now yeah. from hearing it so much that there's just like little details which are gorgeous uh, at the start you've got that guitar arpeggio and then yeah like almost like a mandolin or some sort yeah. of tremolo um what would you is it yeah it does sound like a mandolin doesn't it maybe that kind of yeah um which i don't that kind of thing is just so evocative yeah i don't know you just think of being sat in a square somewhere in yeah spain or somewhere yeah exactly yeah this would be a nice drink to absolutely for sure oh i know well i'm there now (laughs) (laughs) that's lovely Of course, Seb using the spittoon at that precise (laughs) moment so it was a little uncouth am (laughs) i doing it correctly yeah well, I assume so. <laughs> I don't think I'm, gotta be honest, kind of... I'm not a specialist at the spittoon. <laughs> I, I just the technique I used was just sort of open my mouth. <laughs> don't, don't people do like a spout, don't they? I, something I, do it from I will here, from this chair. I, I know I do need to to pick up on that ability because I know when we discuss yeah. level three WSET that this is not something that you can, you are you have to don't you? You literally could not. Yeah, you taste eighty five wines over yeah. the course. Um, you'd, yeah. want, you'd want to be spitting. Yeah, quite yeah, right. For sure. I will be sharpening up on that. <laughs> um, 
maybe we could talk about your your interest in wine verity. Oh, yeah. yeah. And and tell us like Well, I mean, mine came so it, I I mean I do love wine and really lovely wines, but it definitely developed because of you Eliza and because of Yardarm because oh. when Yardarm opened up in Leighton and we were going up, I just find like your enthusiasm and passion for for all the wines that you sell and that you were talking about it was just amazing like it really it made me so much more interested because of all for all the reasons that you were saying like learning so much more about them and then just enjoying it more it was like more of a event to have a bottle of wine than just buying a bottle of wine and just drinking it and not really thinking about it but I love that and I love learning about things like the geography when you uh you can start picturing places and how it looks like where the vineyards are and and the countries that they're in and as it gets more intricate that you're learning about the villages and yeah it's just the whole experience it's it mm. makes it a real event I yeah think. so yeah, it's the thanks. same for me <laughs> yeah because it's like you take this one bottle and it's a physical thing but then you you, you can just unpack it mm. you know that yeah. feels lovely it does it really does yeah the, i mean the, there's so many aspects that have gone into making that spe- specific bottle like even to the, the design of the bottle and the, the label and then but then all the processes that have gone into it i mean it's a, a big story for each each bottle of wine yeah yeah each bottle in each year because yeah it's, it takes a whole year it, yeah. to make and a bottle of wine you know yeah. that's that's tough that's yeah tough gig yeah <laughs> you know it's a lot of tries yeah <laughs> and it takes a long time to get good you yeah. know and so if you only get one try a year it's quite a when you think about yeah. it like that it's such mm. a fragile process and so emotional for the people involved because that's their potentially their whole livelihood is on yeah. one harvest a yeah. year one bad year and you're you're done and really. yeah, yeah you know and that's that's tough like yeah. there have been lots of winemakers who've been talking um there's been lots of webinars and things um because obviously people can't really meet it's, and it's so global there's been lots of online things um with winemakers you know just sort of talking about challenges of this year in particular you know and yeah. i think those the 2020 bottles, they're going to be quite... Yeah. <sighs> right. Oh, you know. Wasn't it a particularly good year for, like, harvests? And, yeah, it's been quite warm. Like, yeah, for the UK, it will be great. Um, but maybe they didn't have the actual means to actually do anything with it. Yeah, it's been tough. It depends where you are in the world. So Southern Hemisphere were picking in, like, March, April time, which was brutal because that was, like, everyone was pretty much in lockdown then. So all the Australian mm. lot, they were all struggling a lot to even get people who could pick you know it's like people weren't being able to travel so normally you'd have loads of people in your vineyard picking for you and through harvest that's when your vineyard floods with people you know because that's when you need the help whereas in the uk and uh in the uh in europe in the old world wineries that was a bit easier because of the vines were just about at like that kind of thing so really in the vineyard there was a bit less to do and so you could kind of keep ticking over Supply chains were hard, especially with it, from Italy for that first bit. Yeah, you know, yeah, that was what we, when yeah. we first started noticing it, it was like, oh, is everyone okay in Italy? And can we get the wines from Italy? Um, and we kind of could. It showed you how strong the supply chains were. But again, it was everything was quite hard all the way through, I think, even from, you know, from the gardening side of it to the making to then the shipping, you know. Mm. And South yeah. Africa have had a terrible time because that was basically prohibition right so they weren't allowed to drink but they also weren't allowed to export wow and so now we're you know i've just bought a few more south african wines in because for the smaller producers that's been really tough you know and now they can get it out there again it feels like globally we have a responsibility to kind of help them out a little bit yeah and i go all right lads it's okay we got you you know yeah we'll 
we'll talk you up kind of thing. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, I remember you said... There's some amazing wines, uh, you know, obviously there are amazing wines in South Africa, but mm. it's funny when you see one place really affected, yeah. you know. Yeah. Have you got, is there one, so if our listeners were going to go out and pick a South African, uh, let's say red wine, would there be one at the moment that springs to mind as a real belter? I've got a real belter in the shop. Great. <laughs> you want to sell it to us? <laughs> <laughs> it's just arrived and it's Pinot Noir, actually. Oh. Um, South Africa's really blessed because it's got, like, altitude, it's got coastal influences, it's got heat, it's got, you know, there's, it's a kind of, it's like Chile, it's the other place in the world where they can kind of grow, they can grow most yeah. things, right? They're quite blessed. If you if you go up high, you can grow the, the things that like cooler conditions. If you go down in the valleys, you can grow the things that need a bit more sun. Um, so yeah, I do. I've got a lovely Pinot Noir that oh. I'm enjoying at the moment. It's rich and ripe for a Pinot, but it's yes. uh, it's yeah, it's really lovely. Oh. I didn't bring that today. Let's <laughs> <laughs> go try that one later. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Crystalline Peter Max um, right. Pinot Noir. Yeah, it's it's Fab. yeah, it's good. It's good. Oh, right. hey Seb. Yeah. Do you want to do your next uh, next oh, yeah. track? Um, now this track, I realised that I don't actually know the story of this one. Is it from an opera? Do you want to make one up? <laughs> I had to look it. I had to look it up because I felt really. Yeah, I was like, oh, no. Eliza can tell us. No, I can't. Idiots. <laughs> what is? Um, well, this is from Tosca by Puccini, and it's uh, from Act Three. And I'm going to say some Italian here. Oh, well, um, good oh. Um, starts with an E. It's just the word, the letter E. Eh. Eh. Okay. Eh, Lucivan la stella. Well, I got star in there, so that's good. Star. Yes. Yeah? Exactly. Yeah. Um, Luchevan. Hmm, not sure what that. Uh, Luce. Is that two words? Uh, one word. Lu- oh. Luchevan. Uh, um, <laughs> I put it into Google Translate. Is that what we're doing? Yeah, there is a translation, but I forgot what it is now. <laughs> okay. Let me find the translation just so I've got it up. Oh. It's the thing Luchevan. with our, our style of hard hitting journalism, isn't it? We're always really hot on, on fact, I, I find. Know, research. <laughs> We've got a recording here of Luchivan La Stella, and it's Pavarotti singing it. Oh. And um, so th- it basically translates as, and the stars were shining. Lovely. Um, and maybe I should just read out all the words. And the stars were shining, and the earth was scented. The gate of the garden creaked, and a footstep grazed the sand. Fragrant, she entered and fell into my arms. Oh, sweet kisses and languorous caresses. While feverishly I stripped the beautiful form of its veils. Forever my dream of love has vanished. That moment has fled and I die in desperation. And I never before loved life so much. Oh, there we are. Poor blimey. So here we go. It's a lot, isn't it? It's a lot. It's a lot of emotion. That's a lot. So (laughs) here we go. Listeners, uh, click play on the next track. This is uh, Iluchivan La Stella. I've just had a little sniff of that yeah that is amazing that is fragrant indeed fragrant indeed yeah really aromatic yeah oh yeah wow i love this wine love this wine but i also love the story of this wine that's amazing so when i was listening to this i just got real like um it's so emotional. Yeah. It's just so emotional. Yeah. Um, and I like opera does that anyway, doesn't it? It's like more yeah. and more and more and bigger and bigger. But, you know, your emotion is so big. And um, 
but it felt kind of sad and de- and a bit uh, and so dramatic and uh, sort of a bit desperate and kind of a real like fight. And there was a bit in the middle of it where it felt like it was really like you know real like power and yeah. kind of um, I don't know like yeah trying to gather yourself or something. There was yeah. something in there that felt so strong. Yeah. As well. um, and so this wine, I feel like the the it's so aromatic and it's so kind of big and it's so pure. Yeah. There's no oak on it. There's no anything. It's just these mm. great varieties, but it's a blend. So it's a Chardonnay, um, Sauvignon Blanc, a local great variety um, f- from uh, this winery in Piedmont, uh, right at the top of Italy. Mm. Um, and what was the other one? Riesling Chardonnay, Sauvignon Blanc, and this local great variety, right? So quite aromatic, quite big, great varieties, but really precise. And there's something really pure about this as well. Right. Um, there's such a beautifully sad story behind this wine. So this winery, they, there's a husband and wife team who had been working it for about 30 years. Um, and they were coming to the end of their sort of time, able to work the vineyards, but they had no heirs to pass the vineyard to. And again, this felt quite operatic as a yeah. kind of story. It's like, oh my God, this is it. It's a great premise for an opera, isn't it? It's a great yeah. premise for an opera. And it kind of felt like, you know, these two could be, you know, doing this, this sort of real, like, desperate kind of call. And actually, it's it's so dramatic because they have vineyards that are on um, the kind of golden strip, the kind of golden mile in Barolo, right? So mm. Barolo being one of the sort of most expensive, most kind of revered wines in Italy. Um, and so their land is incredibly precious. They've got about four hectares, really small amount, mm. really, um, really tiny production, but very valuable. Mm. And so a lot of the big producers got wind of the fact that they didn't have an heir and they were maybe thinking about selling and they got offered so much money by these big, big, big companies who were desperate to get land in this place. And they said no. Because they were like, no, because we have to protect our identity yeah and we want the we want the identity of our wine to still you know to still be there after we've sold it we would like we would like a sense of that as some sort of continuation um and so the the guy um went to this other um winery who who also quite well known in the area have lovely vineyards in the area um vira mm. also very famous very well um very well respected and he loved them. He went incognito, went round their vineyards, did like tours, tastings, all this kind of stuff, loved what they were doing and went to them and said, would you look after our winery? Would you buy, would you buy it? Would you, oh. you know, would you take our land? And so they worked together now. Um, and they were looking for a name for their, for this wine, for their white wine. They make a Barolo and they make a few whites. Um, and they've, they called it Dragon. Oh, oh. yes. <laughs> So it's like that power that comes from that big, you know, it's like, come on, you know, we can do this. And um, dragon, because it gives you courage, you know, and and the courage as well to plant these varieties that aren't necessarily, they're not not the ones that are going to get the money in in Barolo land, right? You should be planting Nebbiolo, which is what you're going to make your Barolo out of. So they do a little bit of that, but they've also planted Riesling, which is quite mad. I don't know anybody else who's planting Riesling. They've nurtured this indigenous grape variety and they've kind of brought that back to life and they're loving that. And then they've got Chardonnay as well. And so it's a mad choice in all directions and kind of against the odds and all of that. The emotion kind of hit with the story 
Yeah. When I was listening to the track, I was thinking, actually, that's a really, it feels big enough and feels kind of, um, yeah, operatic enough in its in its story. It felt mm. like it needed to be Italian, the wine, and it, it felt like it was a white wine to me. I don't know why. Yeah. It, could have, yeah. it could have been big because his voice is so big, but it felt more precise. It felt, um, yeah, to me, if it, it was multi, multi-layered, the music, but again, with precision, you yeah. know, and, yeah. and with that, with that feeling so much emotion and, and the words and all of that talking yeah. about the fragrance yeah. and the aromatics and stuff. It felt like this was the wine. <laughs> That's what I think with Pavarotti. I'm just so, so inspired by his approach to, to singing and making music because it's, yeah. Such an individual sound, more than any other singer. I, I yeah. Think, yeah. Certainly classical singer mm. I can think of. Um, but that was just his thing. And he just did his sound. And, and I just love that that idea of, of, um, of just knowing who you are. And, yeah, yeah. And and just the emotion he, he gets. It's so um, big, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. So, and it stirs in you something. Yeah. I played, I've got a funny story about Pavarotti. I played um, Pavarotti to my eldest son who at the yeah. time was three I think yeah and um no he came on the telly it was something on like breakfast tv and suddenly there was a clip of Pavarotti singing yeah one of his real famous ones they get bigger and bigger, yeah, bigger, yeah. bigger <laughs> and then there's a note right <laughs> and Finn you could see he he just something happened to him in his three-year-old way yeah. and it kind of just stirred and stirred and stirred and stirred and he ended up and he just went ah! <laughs> at the telly he just was like it just got bigger and bigger and bigger in him and yeah. he just had to he just had to do it and there's something so amazing about yeah. that you know and so yeah. strong and so pure yeah yeah and it's yeah, yeah. yeah it's that the boldness and the the pureness of it yeah and actually i played the tracks to my two boys and the classical ones were the ones that they were really like really expressive you know oh. really like dancing around you know yeah. one and four yes yeah. going <laughs> mental <laughs> imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt now imagine them getting even softer over time that's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM people will will reference wine as a, a you know we have it at points where we're quite emotional you know and so like at weddings or at funerals or yeah. at, you know those big yeah. events are, are quite rarely um they rarely go by without some sort of uh, special drink to go mm. with them right so they can be very evocative um and also i lived with um a friend of mine who came off his bike and he lost his sense of smell so he got a head injuries so quite often brain injuries will go twofold so you'll get amnesia but you'll also have an impact on your taste um, and that's quite a commonly reported thing that these two things happen simultaneously so if you get a brain injury that bothers your memory or your taste 
it's quite likely that the other one will be affected as well. Right. So he came off his bike, had short-term amnesia, not badly, but it was affected, couldn't remember what happened, that kind of thing. And he lost his sense of taste and he hasn't really got it back. But what he does have is sensation, which is really interesting. And I was I was doing my wine diploma at the time. So I was getting quite into blind tasting and we would do a lot of tastings together. And I would be describing the kind of phenolic detail, but he was so good on tannin and bitterness and it left him with like little parts. Um, and I just thought that was wow. so yeah. interesting that the two are actually physiologically linked so that it's yeah. not... It's not just this whimsical thing of, um, you know, wine bringing back memories. Yeah. It's, you know, actually there's a really physiological thing that happens to us uh, in our bodies, you know, and and there's something about stamping that, that, that taste with a memory you know and actually yeah so like he could he could tell us something was a sweet wine or not by yeah, the way he it felt mm, yeah so he got he got body he was very good at so with sweet wines they have much more of a full body it would be like a sort of luscious sort of feeling in your mouth really like right. a like gold top milk right as opposed to yeah skim yeah 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 so you've got that but when you only have that that's much more apparent and then with the tannins we were talking about earlier with the red wine so yeah. that drying feeling yeah. so he had a full feeling of that and so acidity, he could break down wines in a very scientific way because yeah. he took out all the flavours, but he just had the physical component. Mm. And actually what he wanted was to find wines that were so big because it gave him the most amount of feeling. Yeah. And the same with coffee and the same with chilli. So we played around a lot with f- food and wine, actually, and, yeah. and yeah. kind of what gave him a sense of things. Um, and he would just quite enjoy you know me telling him what it tasted like and then he'd kind of imagine that and then he'd get oh, the taste yeah. and the, it was really interesting and he helped me a lot with the with wine tasting because it, it was so it was just so interesting that it, it he was very precise but he was also a scientist you know he did physics yeah. at Cambridge right. so he was very interested in what had happened to him so it wasn't a you know it was an exploration yeah. He was yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah yeah and he was you know he's fine but um it's come back a bit I think but he's still Dorothy did you did you lose your taste I did. COVID. Yeah, I think it was. I think very, very early on. And I because and it was prior to them talking about that being one of the major signs. And I remember drinking, I was drinking wine. I remember drinking it and saying, I mean, the texture's amazing. I can't taste a thing. I could not taste a thing. It was so peculiar. And it must have been like a microcosm of that, basically. Yeah. I could get the tannins everything but literally nothing apart from that it's utterly bizarre and thankfully it was very short-lived yeah i had a lot of people in the last tastings that i did again because nobody knew that it was around in february you know we kind of had our suspicions it was around in february yeah yeah and um i had a level two group and there were a few in there who was just like something weird's up with my taste like i don't know i just can't taste it and at the time you just it goes by without thinking doesn't it and now you'd be like get out (laughs) of my my god try this wine (laughs) (laughs) back off back away (laughs) the fourth of our choices um this one is, so I chose Tchaikovsky's Souvenir de Florence. Oh. And again, slightly narcissistically, it's a, it's a string piece. <laughs> and um, this is something, we performed this uh, in the middle of this recent crisis um, on a bandstand in Leighton oh in me. the pouring rain. <laughs> and um, we were really excited about this and it being so sunny either side of this day. <laughs> And, do you know, it was just such a wonderful experience. We went to have six of us together rehearsing. It's a fantastic piece anyway. Um, I've selected the first movement, which is just 
it's like a rip roaring ride. It's really, it's full on. But then it, again, it's 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 really big, but it's got these intricate little lines, and there's a lot of detail in it. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's a lot in it. Um, but it was just so great, and it was the first time we played six of us together in the same room in months. And I'm trying to think when it was. It must have been like August time. But uh, yeah, we were hadn't played together since March. And ah, it was just such a brilliant experience. And it was like really energised. And I played it before, but that just meant so much to do that, even in the pouring rain at the bandstand in Leighton. <laughs> <laughs> so let's have a All listen, right, shall we? This is the Borodin Quartet. The Borodin Quartet with two guests. With, I wonder who their guests were. It says here... Uh, Genric or Genric Talalian. Easy for you to say. (laughs) (laughs) And I've heard of this guy. Okay. I don't know how to say it. Mstislav Rostropovich. Rostropovich, the Don, the Don of cello. Yeah. Is this an old recording? Yeah, it is an old recording. There's so much going on all the time. So you've got the tune, but there's just underneath... Like, there's so much going on in the lower parts. There's just constant yeah. movement. And it passes around all the time. Like, it's on the edge of your seat stuff. There's no sort of let up. <laughs> well, is it four people plus two others? Yeah, six. six. So it's string quartet plus one extra cello and one extra viola. Oh, OK. Wow. Yeah, it's great. I love this. The boys loved it as well, Did my they boys. Like they it? were like, oh, my God, was oh. great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I got the energy, so I, I just wrote that. I was like drama energy yeah. it just so much and it felt really italian to me yeah and so i wanted something but it also felt really classical to me really sort of um well not even classical classic i suppose yeah you know um and more formal than the others that i'd that you'd yeah. given me and so it felt quite traditional and in a really lovely way yeah and so i reflected that in the wine so i've lovely. gone here we are for Fonto di Chianti Classico, oh, which I know yes, you know. I love this one. Oh, but um, it's so well made and so oh, multi-layered. So yeah. that's what I got as well. I got a lot. I was like, oh, there's big sweeping bits and then there's lots of, you know, and yeah. I loved the the vibrancy and the music. And I felt like I wanted something really traditional, but also multi-layered. So a little mm. bit of age, oak, fruit, mm. ripeness the kind of bigness, boldness of it, but with lots of detail in the wine as well. Yeah. Um, and I just felt like this this was another slight vibey one as well, where I was like, I would, this is the wine that I would drink if I was listening to Yes. Yeah. <laughs> as soon as I smelled that, I just felt like I was in Italy. We want the bandstand. <laughs> I, yeah. As soon as I smelled that, I saw rain <laughs> and I saw Leighton bandstand and five other miserable faces. <laughs> It, it tastes like a cello. <laughs> it tastes like... It's, it's just the first thing I thought was like, yes, uh, string and woods, you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah, though, yeah. That, that, but like, it is, it had to be History and, and, yeah. and craft. And, yeah. Yes. And just, like, just incredible, just so much has gone into it. Yeah. Um, de- detail and, and but structure and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So when we were in Southbank Symphonia, they took us to Italy, part of the, like, the pinnacle of our year there was uh, to go to this tour to Anghiari in Tuscany and uh, do this all these concerts and like it was a massive concert series out there and this just reminds me it takes me right back there like we were playing Mozart opera and then you know doing chamber music in the streets there yeah. and things and yeah it's exactly it's that yeah 
it's like classic and Italian and yeah. big and fancy. Yeah, big and fancy and proud and, yeah. you know, just there with swagger, but but with, but with can back it up, you know. It's mm. like really, it's mm. a really good, good wine. These yeah. guys have got some of the best sites in, in Chianti. They're in the kind of amphitheatre bit that's like the best bit, you know, high up on the hill, but right. with shelter and shade and with, not shade, but like they've got shelter and then sun you know so their grapes get really ripe and beautiful they're quite famous for making they make terracotta as well um terracotta tiles and terracotta pots and so their their setup is very grand and um yeah really beautiful um poplar trees everywhere you know that kind of real like really classic italian and Mm. i just um i like them a lot i think they do if you want to taste a really good chianti Go for a Chianti Classico toaster dish. Yeah. <laughs> um, if, you, if you see Classico on a bottle, that's uh, going to tell you that it's from the historic centre of a place in Italy. So yeah. Chianti, but from the bit that Chianti, you know, the best bit of Chianti. Right. So yeah. the oldest bit. Where is Chianti? In, so this is Souvenir de Florence. So is it so it's near Florence? Yeah. It is nearby. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Mm. yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, all around Florence, is that. that's kind of when you're sort of in the... Yeah, the Tuscan Hills. Yeah. You're, oh, you're near. Yeah. You're oh, near Chianti there. What I'd do to be there now. Oh, no. I mean, it's lovely as it is seeing you both. <laughs> <laughs> but it does transport you this wine, I think. Yeah, yeah. it 100% does. Musically as well. Is it, it, I mean, he's writing in a very sort of Italian sort of style. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. It's not Russian-ness at all, is it? No, no. So did and he write this after he'd been to Florence? Is oh, that let me a do, thing? I'm going to be really... I'm going to do a... Google search. <laughs> I don't want to give you more lies. Um, okay, because the composer sketched one of the work's principal themes while visiting Florence, where he composed the Queen of Spades. So basically, he did this as an add-on to whatever he was out there for anyway, because he was given a big title. <laughs> so he thought, I'd better whip something up for them. <laughs> it's a bit disappointing, really, because it's not quite what I, I thought it was going <laughs> to All about this, but no. <laughs> So yeah. he was just probably sat having a gelato and thought, yeah. wrote something on the back of a napkin. Whap that out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, duh, duh, duh. Okay, great. Yeah. <laughs> I can run Done. with that. I can do 10 Yeah, minutes. yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm going to find this very hard to tip away. <laughs> but I know I must. I've got, I've got you a good one to go next. Okay, good. <laughs> right, okay. <laughs> can I ask you about something a little bit off-piste for a second? Yeah. I want to ask you about Sunday brunch because you <laughs> do that, don't you? Do you still go on there for time? Yeah, yeah. I haven't been for a little while. Um, that came about um, through a customer, actually. Oh, really? Yeah. And actually, no. Do you know what? It was Dan and Casper, who swept right behind the bar, who nominated me, essentially. I knew oh. nothing about it. They were like, <laughs> you should get an eyes on Sunday brunch. And then they did. <laughs> so I went, I went and had a little kind of meeting with them. And um, yeah, it was just one of those sort of things they were looking for. A, yeah female wine person I suppose yeah and um yeah I just went and chatted it was really nice because I got to I got to talk about I did one on English wine week so I got to talk about my favorite English wine producers and give them a little big up and yeah yeah, yeah. It, was, it was a nice thing to do it's quite a weird um situation because uh it's less about the wine than I'm used to so whenever I'm doing my own tastings yeah. I can I just go on uh, for hours yeah you know <laughs> Uh, and so it's strange because you have this sort of like, yeah. quick timed, you know, this is what we want, mm. da 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 da. Uh, and people who might not necessarily be um, 
into wine (laughs) at all the guests (laughs) they might really hate wine that's happened a couple of times I've had quite a few teetotalers which is you know not helpful um and then I had one guest Gareth Malone yes who was so nice and he obviously really liked wine as well he's quite a wine drinker and so actually I met him in the green room before and we got on really well and he was lovely lovely and was really just receptive to the wines um so yeah I enjoyed it yeah oh and if uh, yeah they've always said to me when you want to come back come back you know I got quite pregnant again and so I I stopped I was like I don't really want to be the pregnant lady (laughs) (laughs) give me a whole kind of wrong vibe so I I bowed out at that point and yeah I'd love to go back and, and do bits for them um yeah, you, you must me. wield a lot of power being on that show because if you if you mention a wine, does it just sell out? That Do you know morning? what that did happen yes. to one of them, and I was so excited because I was just like, yeah. "This is amazing!" Yeah, yeah. it was um, quite an obscure wine from the Jura region in France, and I just I just loved the wine, and I was like, "I just would really like to talk about that wine." And um, yeah, you have complete free reign to just choose what you want, and yeah. so I I talked about um, Forty Hall, and they're a, a local project up in Enfield, yeah, um, and a kind of charitable project, but making really brilliant wine at the moment. Weirdly, in Enfield, yeah, um, but they have one of our top UK winemakers making their wine for them. They grow um, as part of a project, a social enterprise project, helping people. Um, with mental health issues get back get out and get in the vineyard and this whole thing about you know the cycle of the vine and stuff you want to be there all the way through you want to see the cycle through and so actually mentally that's really mm. good for people mm. Gar- you know gardening just in general not necessarily wine. yeah but um so it was nice because i got to talk about them and that get, you know raised their profile a little bit so yeah yeah it that's feels like great. a nice position to be able to do that yeah you know? absolutely yeah. a bit embarrassing but like <laughs> Great. <laughs> it's because we've mentioned um we've mentioned Simon Ruman and Tim Lovejoy on the show before, but uh, this is good this kind of evening oh, yeah. out now. <laughs> <laughs> we might have cast some aspersions. But, you know. <laughs> oh, Apparently Tim Lovejoy is a big wine fan. Oh is he? Yeah. So he listened to you then, that's good. I mean, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> I tend to watch the other one, Saturday Kitchen. That oh, is, uh... yes. Yeah, I'd like to get on there, but they only yes. have posh men on there. So... Do they? Yeah, what's yeah. that guy's name? Uh, the Bolly, somebody, yeah. Yeah. It, yeah, it's quite Red Trouser. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah totally. Which is. I think they should rethink, yeah. quite frankly. At the moment, they've just got someone on a big telly sort of sat, sat yeah. behind the table. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Is that the, the wine? Well, last week, I think it was the wine person was on the telly. Oh, was but, they? Um, I think they might have had a lady on there. Oh well, I don't know. Maybe I think they are upping their female yeah. thing yeah. because I think it's been levelled at them that it's a bit of a trouser and a bit. Yeah. Male. <laughs> yeah. You need yeah. to get Dan and Casper back on the case. Back with on the, the BBC, case, yeah. <laughs> my agents. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so it's mystery wine number five time. <laughs> Very exciting. Um, why don't you tell us a bit about it? Shall I tell you about the wine or shall I tell you about the music? Ooh. Maybe music first, then we can line it up. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I I didn't want to. That was heartbreaking. Um, Yeah. So, this is a Loudon Wainwright track (laughs) called Tip That Waitress. (laughs) Um, I remember my dad playing um, a lot of this on vinyl when I was growing up. So it's a sound that sort of is quite, it feels like a bit of me, I suppose. Yeah. Not necessarily personally music that I 
would listen to but just that it's been there in my life and on vinyl so it feels like it's quite a it's quite a tangible thing for me yeah um I, I kind of love this track. It reminds me of um, being a waitress because uh, I was always a waitress. Whatever, ever, ever else in my life I was, I was always a waitress. And I loved it. Yeah. <laughs> I just was never a reluctant waitress. I loved it. Um, it's honestly, I reckon, one of the hardest jobs you'll do because you're on your feet forever. You could do late nights, you can do early starts, you get no breaks, you get no thanks. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah. it's the, that world is so <clears throat> complete and it's informed really what I've left behind and what I do now. So um, I trained as an actor. I worked a lot in voiceover. Um, that was my thing. I didn't. I never really wanted to do the other side of it when I graduated never actually wanted to be an actor when I graduated. <laughs> Reluctantly, weirdly, I got an agent um, and then spent the most part of sort of five, ten years sort of saying no to things because I didn't want to do them. My rule was always, if I like my other job more, I won't take, I won't go to the audition and I won't take the job. I mean, it was entirely the wrong way around. Most people are like, please give me the audition. I was yeah. like, please, do I have to? <laughs> I, was, I was quite a crap actor um but I did love voice and did that uh but to support myself always um and actually even when I didn't quite need to because the voiceover stuff was fine I always was working in restaurants love them love chefs they're so angry and so brilliant and, <laughs> um and I love front of house and I love customers and you just see all the emotions and everything so tip that waitress is kind of you know it's the track that describes the the late nights and the um you know and that kind of thing I, yeah I guess um and also it describes my journey into wine because um, I would use my tips as a waitress to go for the poshest lunches I could afford. So it's, I don't know whether everybody knows this, but me and my friend Sarah Jane, when we worked in this one place, um, the Michelin star restaurants in London in particular run cheap lunches at lunchtime weekday lunch times particularly like monday tuesday you can go for a set lunch but in like a two or three michelin star restaurant for like 30 quid what right wow it's a lesser known thing so me and sarah jane got wise to this and we were like save our tips right so we would save our save our waitress tips and we would go and we went to everywhere we went everywhere and what we would do is get the set lunch but we go mental on the wine (laughs) (laughs) and so actually tips kind of paved the way for me trying some of the best wine that I've tried in some of the places that have kind of inspired me most yeah and because it was always working in restaurants that's where the love of wine came from um yeah do you want to listen one, to it I feel yeah. like I'm just yeah. very, at you <laughs> should I just play the live play one? the live one actually yeah. I think there might only be a lot I don't think he plays it very much I think it's one of those weird obscure ones that's like a right okay well, should we, uh, should we go for it? I think he even says on the live one, I don't play this very much. Okay. <laughs> well, here we go. This is it. There we go. I've emptied out the... Uh, rinsed them out for you. And it's kind of that time in the night when, like, everyone's gone, you know, in the restaurant. And you've just got the clinging on sort of couple or the one yeah. bloke in the corner or whatever. <laughs> and I'd worked in quite a lot of different places. I worked in lovely neighbourhood places, but I um, I was a som for a little while in town and I really hated that, actually, weirdly. I was I loved the wine, but I hated the kind of formalness of it. Yeah. And, and the this this there's a slight overtones in this, I think, of the kind of, you know, the men with the, the tipping kind of thing. And, um, you know, you encountered that 
in that world as well and that you know and the and the really male thing you have to fight as a female psalm and a female in wine getting way better now because there's loads of us yeah we're rocking it but it you know it always was that where you have to be like no actually i do know my shit you know yeah actually you can listen to me because i can tell you all you need to know about this bottle of whatever you know well that was really interesting when you had the St John's wine tasting up at Yardarm mm. where they they said this were they were really surprised by the number of women that had come to the tasting yeah. it was usually uh much much more men than yeah. women but you know testament to you and the fact that there are so women are really getting into it now it's much more Yeah it's good you know a lot of the MWs the masters of wine that are graduating now they're women you know we're yeah. good we're good at it yeah. it's a, you know and a lot of the winemakers you know that used to be such a male dominated profession and now you know I attended a webinar um, one of the master of wine webinars the other day and there was five female winemakers and no, like no questions asked it was just like this is a screen full of women who yeah. are just yeah. knowing what they're doing and they're not there because they're women they're there because they're really tip top winemakers that's you know? it yeah. and that's cool that's when you know that there's mm. like revolution happening which is yeah. great yeah um, but also this is kind of so this is uh, a wine that I don't sell this is a wine from my cellar if you like <gasps> I don't have a cellar I have an under the stairs <laughs> however oh. I have had this wine for 10 years <gasps> oh, oh <wow>. my god <laughs> this is partly for you oh. and partly for wine club later yeah. uh, so this is a bottle of Bordeaux from 1995 wow. <laughs> oh. now this is a gift because I always think if you've been given a gift, you can, you, you gift it, you gift something, right? So when I was working in uh, the restaurant where I met Dan, actually, yeah. my other half, uh, another half of Yada, um, there was a guy, an older gentleman called Neville, who um, was quite, sounded like a really posh uh, sort of English gentleman um, of Jamaican origin. Um, he worked in computers in like the 90, 80s and 90s, yeah. made his money. And invested in fine wine. Fine wine. (laughs) (laughs) And so he would get slightly tipsy at the bar every night uh, and talk to me about his fine wine. (laughs) I didn't really know what he was talking about. And then I started, he kind of was the person really that started me on wine because I had literally no clue what he was talking about, like top five growths in Bordeaux and, you know, all of these kind of like mad terms, really formal. And um, he gifted me some wines when I started learning because he was like, the only way that you know to learn about wine is if you try the best. (laughs) Because I was a waitress, (laughs) he gifted me some of his collection. Wow. That's great. And this is one of them. So this is cheers to Neville. Oh. And cheers to you because actually you've been... Um, you and your group, who now we do wine club at Yardarm, yeah. have been sort of the ones from the start who've been so excited and it's been so nice oh, to meet yeah. people who are who come to my wine tastings <laughs> <laughs> and who get really enthused by stuff. And so yeah. I thought, actually, yeah, the way to learn is to try. So I thought I'd crack open. Oh, my goodness. Well. Thank you so much. Well, you know, we're hugely thankful to you. And it's, it is the the wine group up at Yardarm, that, that group that we're in. It's, it's been such a pleasure as well because we're all from completely different backgrounds. Yeah. We probably never have met any other way. And it's, uh, it's really fun. It's a really lovely bunch of people. Yeah. And we're all just really excited about all the wines that yeah and it's so lovely and yeah. I think Neville saw that in me and I think I see that in you guys and it's just so nice and and there is 
there aren't that many opportunities to try these wines you know this is so this is um Grand Cru Classé so this is one of our like 1855 classification yeah. system wines so in Bordeaux in 1855 they basically decided who was the best and that's kind of stuck right yeah um and so these guys are in um Saint-Julien yeah uh so this is going to be wow. cab heavy <laughs> Uh, but we have, yeah. you know, 1995, so there's a good bit of age on yes. it. <laughs> you can see immediately from the colour, can't you? Yeah, you can. So it's really yeah. brown in the glass. Um, and it's really, like, on the nose, it's so um, so unrecognisable compared to those other yeah. wines that we've tried. Mm. Yeah. And that's the thing about wine, right? And probably the thing about music is that you find your vibe or you find the one that you go, oh, yeah. I never realised, you yeah. know? And to me, when I tried Neville's wines, I was like, holy shit, I didn't think yeah. wine tasted like that, actually. You no. Know? Yeah. And so that's the thing that tips you from, you know, t- tasting your weekday wines, your Thursday wines, you know, that you take yeah. home and they're your comfort wines. It's never going to be a comfort wine. This is hard trucking. Right? Yeah. This, is, yeah. this is chewy and it's mad and big and old and dusty and kind of crazy. But it's where it goes. And it's the fact that it's been in that bottle since 1995. <laughs> you know, it's crazy. That's incredible. That is crazy, isn't it? I haven't drunk any. No, nor have I, yeah, because I feel like I owe it some. (laughs) Oh, wow. You're getting me slurping into the microphone now. (laughs) I'm doing Archer's slurping for you. (laughs) So, Mm. it's still got quite a lot of acidity. It's still got quite a lot of structure and um, tension, but everything is quite ripe and quite baked. Mm. Yeah. But Mm. so different. It's like, if the Chianti is kind of there in uh, a medium sort of fashion, you know, that you can tell there's a tiny bit of age and there's a tiny bit of uh, something going on. Yeah. That's as far as most people will go is a few years age and they'll be like, oh yeah, I can taste the age on that. Whereas with this one, it goes savory and mad and leathery and tobacco-y and kind of like it really changes. And it's not showing at its best because you'd want like, you know, a big old dinner to go with this. Yeah. Yeah, but, but then there's the, the raisiny kind yeah. of that oh, baked fruit. Yeah, yeah really so strong all, baked fruit. All the fruit goes mm. to that kind of baked raisiny kind of thing. Mm. And you start mm. getting these like, yeah, really earthy, really leathery, mm. cedary sort of undertones to it. There's no like, some of those wines have like a, an edge where you, it suddenly changes like to bring in the, the tannin yeah. sort of taste or whatever. But this is just like, it's smooth, it, 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 but it changes. You, you do change it but it's 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 more um just changes more gradually or or something so it's you don't have those hard i just sort of smoothed out over the years that's exactly what happens when wine ages right so it's the reason why if you get a really sometimes people will go to restaurants and they'll pay loads of money for a really young bordeaux from a really top producer yeah but it's like it's really hard work because in order to get a wine that's going to age, you have to set it up, right? So you've got to have like really high tannin, really high acidity, loads of fruit. You know, it has to be big all round because it does that over, you know, 20, mm. whatever, however many years we are from 1999. <laughs> Quite a few. Um, it, you know, it, it goes, the edges get knocked off and it gets softer and kind of yeah. more gentle and more integrated, but also really quite intense, you know. Mm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's completely it's amazing. Cool. And the like the finish on it is incredible it just lasts doesn't it and it goes just... yeah it's just it's there it's just keeps that's an absolute beauty isn't it well that is my oh it probably sums up um you know not what i drink in any <laughs> sense and kind of weirdly not what i listen to but sort of representative of um you know the journey into wine and 
um, you know, a track that I know, I know well from, you know, from my childhood, but one that yeah. I later listened to and went, huh, yeah, <laughs> it's like that, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, and then, yeah, a good old Neville wine. Oh, thanks, Neville. Yeah, cheers, Neville. Neville. Cheers, yeah. Nev. His whole thing was that he wanted to share his share his collection a bit you know there's only him mm. sort of like the dragon people you know there's sort of no heir particularly to yeah. neville's um neville's cellar but <laughs> yes. and he's been just drinking it over time yeah, so you yeah. Have to drink the wine you've got to open it you've got to try it that's it because that is another side to it is the joy of it like with music it's so much better when it's something you do with other people all together you know it's mm. it's exactly that same feeling it's it, a real community sense, isn't it? Mm. You know, like when we come to the tastings or when you buy when you think, oh, I know, I'm going to get that one that's going to go perfectly with this meal we're doing with friends who are coming around. That's just the best time, isn't it? Yeah, completely. And it's those, it's similar, isn't it? It's yeah. like all coming together for a tasting, all coming together to yeah. listen to music. It's it's community and it's, it's, it's the stories and the memories that you create while you're all together having a try of it or, you know, having a listen, mm. whatever. It's, it's that, I think. And so... What seems like a kind of like, oh, can we shoehorn in some wine with our music <laughs> podcast? It is kind of, but there's something that's quite easy about it because yeah. it's just, it's about storytelling and it's about, yeah. you know, yeah. fundamentally it's that, isn't it? Yeah, Communication yeah. and storytelling. Absolutely. But with that wine, so um, did, did you, have you tasted a bottle from that time before? So you're, you're very familiar. You knew what that would taste. like? I knew what that would taste like. I also t- I also opened it earlier because I wanted oh, okay. to check that it hadn't spoiled. Because yeah, it's was, always that danger when you leave it for that many years. Yeah, my storage has been you know all right, but I haven't got temperature controlled cellars or anything. Um, so I just put it somewhere cool and dark and hope for the best. Yeah, and I hope I think that Neville did the same thing when he mm. was storing it. Um, so yeah, I I knew what the flavour profile would be yeah. with that many years age yeah, on this yeah. particular wine. Um, so there's a lot of Cabernet Sauvignon in here, um, giving you that really dark kind of buried fruit. Um, I think there's a little bit of Merlot softening it, and there could be a few other bits in there. Mm. Um, but yeah, they're a really good maker, and Saint Julien is quite a um, mm. it's a well known little like sub appellation in within Bordeaux. Right. Mm. Um, so good. Yeah. I know it really is. I can't stop making these noises. It's going to be horrible for the listener. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, yeah, wonderful. Yeah. I always think that it's quite interesting describing wine, you know, when people aren't um, drinking it. But I, I quite often will say that at wine tastings is about like imagine if you're, you're trying to describe it to somebody who's never tasted wine, let alone the particular wine. Yeah. And that's kind of the point of, ta- of the tasting notes and those the language ar- that goes around describing wine. It's that really. It's mm. like, yeah, it, it's like, it tastes a bit like this. You know, you kind of, it's just about a description really. Yeah. Trying yeah, to yeah. get as close as you can to yeah. the description of what, what's in the glass. You know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I was trying to compare it to like musical instruments, something like a, a really lovely old Steinway or mm. something. Yeah. Like that's so well made and and or, or like maybe like a, a Stradivarius like a Stradivarius I was just thinking that something yeah. like that which which gets better as it as it gets older mm. and you just have to touch it and it just has this beautiful sound and yeah and decay and uh, all that kind of thing or playing in a lovely room as well yeah uh, with the lovely reverb and and yeah there's, there's there's you can kind of draw comparisons with that the way it lingers on the art of mm. taste is, is almost like a reverb isn't it like, yeah and and um and the way it changes like you play a chord and it certain frequencies bounce around the room and there's i don't know you can definitely draw draw comparisons to that yeah thing. 
Yeah, yeah, I think you definitely can with that. Yeah, mm. you play a chord and that it's what lingers after it's stopped being played, but yeah. the sound carries on. That's and right, that's yeah. exactly, it's such a good way of describing actually what yeah. happens that when you when you talk about wine, you talk about the length of the wine and people mm. are like, what are you talking about? Right. You know, and it, but it's that, it's after you've drank it, what happens then? And yeah. the same with the sound yeah. that you're talking about, you know, what happens after you, you know, the... Yeah. The sound has been yeah. played, but this, but it, but it continues. Yeah. The reverb, you that's know, right. that's I mean, what it's what you're left with. It's yeah. the echo kind of thing. The whatever it is, you know. Yeah. I mean, yeah. like a room like this is a lovely room, but it's not not been acoustically treated really. No. Um, which is in a, a normal Victorian lounge, and it's yeah. lovely. Um, but but you know, if you played a note, it would sort of bounce off all the shiny surfaces and things. Um, whereas if you were in something like. Wigmore Hall or Cadogan Hall or something like that you play a note and it just or, or like a cathedral or something yeah it just, it just lingers and then it there's just so much so many beautiful surfaces yeah. bounce around and it sounds lovely yeah um so uh, yeah I'd say this is like it's like that it's a bit like that isn't it <laughs> <A bit> like <laughs> that. <laughs> this matters as well like you know in, in talking about instruments and stuff it's like how you keep things and yeah. how you know how you store them how old mm. they are all of those things it's the same with wine it's like how it's been stored by the winemaker how it's mm. been made how it's been blended all of those things add up to then this product that then has to sit around somewhere you yeah. know for this yeah. time until you open it and then you open it in what kind of situation is it with a dinner or is it like here now you yeah. know do, are you concentrating on it or can you do you just have barrel tons of cash and you just drink this kind of wine all the time you know it, yeah. it depends who you yeah. are and what your what your experience is as to as to how you're going to approach the flavor as well yeah. you know? and I think that's quite a nice yeah quite a nice thing yeah. absolutely so experiential oh yeah that was Blooming great. It was blooming great. I mean, I love yeah. a glass of wine. I love a good piece of music. What more can you ask for? Covered yeah. all bases. Yeah. And her choices were great. I, I genuinely felt moved when she brought... It sounds so tough, but when she brought that second bottle out and uh, we were listening to the Father John Misty and she was explaining why she'd chosen the wine, I just I was like, that's just so beautiful. It's so lovely. <laughs> yeah that's right yeah she, she's got such a really great way of uh of describing wine which yeah. which i mean t- to some people they might not uh, imagine that you could even think of wine in that kind of way but but she she knows so much about it and and she's such an expert that she's then yeah. accessed that that next level where she's she's really talking about the the poetry and emotion that yeah that comes from it um and i thought that was quite interesting what she was saying about how she often wishes that wine almost like that it wasn't alcohol that it was like yeah. a different thing um because i mean we, i mean we, we've talked before about uh, about the, the sort of the negative sides of alcohol I, and everything, I did that we? did come to mind a few times during this like this is like the um, opposite end of the spectrum isn't it but yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. but there there is something um I don't know. Everyone's got a different relationship with, with alcohol, but but yeah. um, I did find I do find that really interesting. Like tasting something on like the like macro mm. level, like where you're just having a very small sip of it, and you almost get way more from it yeah. by doing that. Absolutely. Than when you're just glugging it. I mean, and then you, I, I found because I was I was I drove to the to your house, so I wasn't really drinking <laughs> yeah. a lot of it. But I'd have a, a tiny tiny bit, and then you'd get all this sort of uh, information from your tongue and that. And then you have a slightly bigger sip and you suddenly get, 
completely different flavors because it's a different part of your tongue and yeah and then then you might have like a, a bigger gulp and then that's a completely different thing as well i, <laughs> I find it really really interesting and do you know what yeah. later that evening i know yeah. we've referred to it in the interview i went uh we had a, oh, yeah. a wine wine club it was great it was really good but um having already done the earlier tasting you know there was like a base level <laughs> already there so when i got there <laughs> i was i was very reserved but also you know i think that i managed to pull a few words out of the bag that may have impressed my fellow wine club attendees they might have thought i knew a bit more than i actually did because eliza had already tipped us off on those things oh yeah so thanks thanks for that <laughs> yeah nice lovely well well thanks so much eliza that was really interesting and i hope uh, i hope you enjoyed it listening at home everyone and uh, that it kind of translated um obviously you didn't have the wine and you didn't have the music <laughs> but <laughs> But, but apart um, from that, you know, perfect. Apart from that, <laughs> yeah, I hope it kind of worked. Um, yeah. Maybe we'll do it again sometime. Oh with, yeah, uh, with uh, maybe more wine or, or something different. Yeah, and you can but, order um, all of those wines apart from the last special one um, from Yardon. Oh, yeah. And I think I know that they're certainly planning on doing a delivery system. So uh, even if you can't get it right now, if you can't get to Leighton, they can deliver it out to you, and it is worth it. I assure you. <laughs> yeah we're not even sponsored by yard arm no, but we're not. i suppose you're kind of you're, you're you sort <laughs> of live life. by yard arm your, your <laughs> yeah. whole life yeah right exactly yard arm <laughs> yeah, exactly maybe they will sponsor us now will you maybe <laughs> hmm. yeah great That's a good idea yeah what's been going on for you this week well we had quite a good week didn't we, we went to yeah. do the old uh let music live that was fun it was amazing wasn't um, it if you haven't listened to it yet, then check out our bonus edition of this podcast, which came out early in the week, which was our roving reporter <laughs> report of yeah. uh, Let Music Live, which was the incredibly successful um, protest in Parliament Square on Tuesday. Yeah. Um, the What date was that? The, Tuesday, the it was the 6th, 6th yeah. of October. And it's had so much press and it's really, I mean, it, we're now uh we're recording this on sunday the 11th mm. and it hasn't been out of the the papers at all even today there were several articles in the sunday papers uh just sort of carrying on the the conversation about um get, getting it across that the like musicians aren't are just and freelance workers are just not not gonna survive otherwise no and finally um, because it feels like it's been months coming they've sort of avoided talking about musicians really it feels like so yeah. this is yeah, great yeah. um i think jesse did an amazing job getting this all together and that was such an incredible yeah, day really the atmosphere was amazing there wasn't it yeah it was really good yeah uh, nice just nice to see lots of people that, that yeah. you knew all those people that do the same thing as you and mm. and we're all in the same boat we're all on the same same level really but it's just a, kind of heartwarming to look out and and see your people yeah there's, there's it really something is about that yeah. I feel like it, uh, you know, obviously I realise I miss it, but when we were all there together, it just hit me massively, especially when we stopped playing and everyone held for that two-minute silence. It really struck me how much I've missed it, how much I've missed everybody. And, yeah, it was just an incredibly mm. moving event, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was great. And uh, so you, have you had some, you've had some work this week, haven't you? You've actually done yes. some uh, gigs? Oh, yeah. it's been so exciting. This has been the closest to a real life week 
of the olden days <laughs> that I've got oh. since March. It's been so lovely. I've been out with the quartet three times this week, which has been magnificent. And uh, I know it's short-lived. Like, it, next week we'll be back to normal, but... Oh, it's been so joyous. I, in fact, this afternoon yeah. we were playing at a beautiful place called Micklefield Hall. It's very, very oh. nice, yeah. So, yeah, I felt very buoyed lovely. by it all. It's been lovely. Yeah, hmm. that's good. That's all you need, isn't it? Just a li- little bit of something normal just yeah. to keep you going again. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Um, well, thank you for listening, yeah. everybody. <laughs> we'll be back next and week. We've got another guest up our sleeves haven't we yeah we do yeah and um yeah can't say who it is yet but uh <laughs> do you I know who it remember. is <laughs> <laughs> do you want a clue <laughs> no 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 clues nah. <laughs> no i'll find out when i turn up uh <laughs> take care everyone and see you next week for another episode of three in a bar bye bye When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.